0: Hi, and welcome back to the Multifaceted Athlete with Coaching Lutz. I'm your host, Kelly Lutz. I am a USGA certified running and ultra running coach and certified strength and conditioning specialist. I am so excited to have you here today. We'll be talking all about running, aspects of running, strength training, and anything else that makes us humans who do sports. So let's dive right into this episode. I hope you love it. Welcome back to another week of the Multifaceted Athlete. I am very excited for you to hear this episode today. So today I have Lucy Haynes back on the podcast. You might remember her from episode 24. If you haven't listened to that one, highly recommend it. Last time she was on the podcast, we talked all about mental strength and running because she is a mental strength coach. But this time, this episode that you're about to listen to, we talk more about Lucy's personal experience with balancing running and climbing because she does both of them at a fairly high level. So she can climb really hard and she is really good at running. She just ran the 50K uh, and won it in the race that we did together last weekend. Whatever weekend was the muddy weekend at this point. Um, So yeah, she's pretty great at both. And we wanted to talk about how exactly she goes about balancing climbing and running. She also works a full-time job, so it's not like those are what she can dedicate most of her days to. So we really dive into the specifics of her schedule at a weekly level. We go into the daily level so you can hear how she organizes her days, her life, her weeks. And Kind of like why? Why does she even want to balance both? Some tips she has if you are trying to balance both, and we do, we talk about so many more things. But and one of the biggest things we talk about is how she is supporting both sports with her nutrition by working with a dietitian. So I think that is super valuable. But I think you're really going to enjoy this episode whether you participate in running and climbing or you are just a runner or you do running with another sport, I think there will be something you can learn from this. There are so many little nuggets to take away. So without making this intro (laughs) a million minutes long, let's get into it. Enjoy my conversation with Lucy Haynes. So Lucy, welcome back to the podcast. We're talking about you today.
1: Glad to be back on it.
0: Yeah. So I'm excited for this because, as we talked about off recording, a lot of people have been asking you about balancing climbing and running. And you are an avid climber and runner. You do both of them at a fairly high level. So you're a good example of how to do it. And you work full time, which we're going to talk about. So it's not like you're a full time athlete, which obviously is a little easier to do or dedicate more time to two sports when that is your job. So yeah, let's start with when did you get into running and climbing individually?
1: Yeah. So I started out climbing. Well, I guess I should say I grew up with, you know, a huge background in outdoor sports. So like in high school, I was a whitewater kayaker. I've been hiking with my dad since I was like one. Well, I guess he carried me, but I can still (laughs) like tell that I have been backpacking for that long, and. You know, I I whitewater kayaked through through high school and college, and then, you know, at the beginning of college, I kind of switched over to climbing because the place that I learned to whitewater kayak as a as a high schooler also taught rock climbing. I was just on the whitewater kayaking side of things, so it was kind of a natural flow for me over to rock climbing because I had many friends in that arena, and you know, I was interested in switching things up. I joined the the climbing team at my college, University of Virginia. And so that was probably around 2013, 2014. But, you know, I was still really recreational with it, just kind of having fun, exploring things. I then moved to Colorado in the fall of 2015. And in the years after like that, like 2015 to 2017, I just started to progressively take it more and more seriously and then moved a little bit further west in Colorado over to Eagle in 2018, which is when I really just went full ham because I was very close to Rifle Mountain Park. Uh, still am. Mm-hmm. I still live here. And if any of you guys know Rifle Mountain Park, it's kind of impossible to climb there recreationally. Like you go full in or you don't go at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, uh, it really sucked me in. And that's when I really started taking that very, very seriously and kind of started to consider myself an advanced to elite climber. And then running wise, yeah, I ran again, recreationally through college, it was kind of a way for me to just channel my anxiety that was growing steadily. At that time, I really just enjoyed going out for a few miles and exploring the trails around Charlottesville when I was at UVA. And again, I think the catalyst for that was moving out here to Colorado where the trails are so accessible. And I realized that You know, running what it could be more than what I thought it was. You know, my dad was a marathoner or still is. Mm -hmm. And that was the impression that I had of running. And I was not super interested in that. (laughs) One half marathon. And I was like, all right, that's enough pavement pounding. Probably not my thing. And then I got the chance to explore like Colorado trails. And that just changed everything for me. It just became a more like wholehearted, full body, full mind experience where exploration was the real key there. So that spoke to me a lot more. So that started to progress again, kind of when I was out in Colorado, moved out here to Eagle in 2018 and the trails were literally in my backyard. So on my climbing off days, I would go on, on trail runs and then, yeah, I I got injured with climbing and I couldn't climb for a lot. And so I started running more and then that's when I started to kind of let the two catch up to each other.
0: Nice. Yeah, Colorado is a great place to do both sports. It's like hard not to here.
1: It is very hard not to. It almost feels like it's a requirement.
0: <laughs> yeah, at least one or the other. Or skiing, I would say is the other. Yeah. Other sport. Guys, yeah. you one of the three.
1: I've not added that one much into my I own a pair of skis. I can get down a mountain. <laughs> not well, and it's not pretty. So <laughs>
0: That's, whenever someone asks me if I ski, that's my response. I'm like, I own a pair. I can. (laughs) Do I I use them? them? (laughs) (laughs) It's also hard because, I mean, as you know, we're so close to Utah and New Mexico, which like in the winter months, usually you can go climbing outside and obviously you can still run outside in the winter. So then it's like adding a third time commitment thing because like skiing is a big time commitment. Anyway, we're yeah. not here to talk about skiing.
1: <laughs> well, and let's be honest, though. Like, skiing is really expensive. And oh, yeah. in general are expensive. But I think, you know, with climbing and running, once you do have the basic gear and knowledge, they can be some of the more accessible ones. So I think that's important to note as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, I agree. Except the price of running fuel these days is getting a little out of hand. <laughs> yeah. It's like $4 for one gel now. And it's like... This is a lot, especially if I want to fuel my long runs properly.
1: Yeah. Well, but. I have some affordable options for, for everyone if they want to hear about it. But
0: Oh, yeah. We should definitely <laughs> we should go that. into that later. <laughs> yeah. So when you first started doing running and climbing together, what did your week look like and I guess like what mistakes did you make along the way? Because it's definitely a learning process.
1: It is 100% a learning process. And I very distinctly remember the first day that I climbed and then ran on the same day. And it was like, I should preface this. I used to be a route setter as well. So my climbing sessions, you know, when I was first starting to run alongside climbing were mainly like for running sessions, like testing the routes that we were putting up. So on this day, I I remember this specifically, I for ran for about two and a half to three hours, not not a crazy session. We, we weren't putting up the hardest boulders that day, but it was a bouldering session. And then I had some time to kill about a about a half hour between that and when I had to go coach the kids team. And I was feeling really restless that day. I was just like, I got to get out. I got to go outside. I was just going to go for a walk. And then I was like, you know, I'm I'm too restless to go for a walk. I'm going to go for a run. So it was a 20 minute run and it was the slowest paced run that I had ever been on, you know, (laughs) I I won't give numbers. Everyone is relative, but Mm -hmm. I just remember like being out there, like originally so full of energy. And then the second that I tried to run after climbing, I was just like toast. But at the end of the day, the feeling of having accomplished those two things back to back, like just sucked me in. So from there on out, I really did try to, to balance out a schedule and it, it was kind of intimidating that experience of feeling so exhausted after doing both on the same day, even a short run and a short climb that I avoided doing them both on the same day for a while. So I would do, you know, my, my climbing for running sessions for work, which were also my climbing sessions. Those would be two to three days a week. And then yeah, I would go outside and climb on the weekends. And then on the, let's see, one, two, three, on the two days that I wasn't, climbing outside or for work then i would do my runs and they they didn't have too much structure to them i would just go out and explore the trails i think i read somewhere about like the importance of doing speed work so i would like throw in a few random intervals <laughs> on on both of those days just because i thought that i i had to but i thought that i had to do it like every time that i was running so My mileage was not super high, but I was getting out on the trails and I started to really get the bug for running. So I signed up for my first trail races then, like the Leadville Marathon, I think was one of the first ones that I did as well as the Continental Divide 50K. And I was kind of attempting to do those on like two days of running a week. (laughs) And I managed it, but it did not feel good. Yeah. Uh, So that was kind of the schedule that I started with and I can pause there,
0: man. I can't imagine two days of running leading up to the marathon and the 50 K.
1: I, I would just really try and like pack in as many miles as I could on those days, which again, like my threshold was not super high at that point. I was not like my, what did they call it? Like your, your sport, your sport lifespan, at least for Mm -hmm. running was like, was pretty short. So I wasn't going much above you know, 12 to 15 miles at a time. But that was a lot for me at the time. Um, so those two days <laughs> that I wasn't climbing, I was just like exhausting myself running. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's that's probably enough to to go run a marathon. And it was enough to finish mm-hmm. the marathon.
0: <laughs> but I was hurting. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. Yeah. Do you remember how you felt with that schedule during the week? Like while you were climbing or running?
1: It was really tiring, even when I was not running on my climbing days. I think because I was just trying to pack in all of the miles that I thought that I needed for, you know, a marathon or a 50 K distance into essentially two days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, because I had this thought in my mind, I I'm not sure where it came from, but that I couldn't do two things on the same day. And I'll preface this. I, I do come from an eating disorder background. I think we talked about that the last time I was on the show. I think- um, so I think that that was actually like a productive, protective measure I was trying to put Mm -hmm. on myself because I know that I was really susceptible to overexercise. So I was like, okay, no, it's, you can't do two things on the same day. Like that's too much, which for a lot of people, and if you're not fueling your body well and taking care of your body, well, that is too much. So that was a pretty rational thought on my part. And I was not ready to do more than that at that point. But yeah, so I kind of set that rule for myself, but then I would just kind of go above and beyond my means on <laughs> on each day because I was trying to pack it in.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a common thought for a lot of people about doubles, like just thinking either they can't handle it or it's not possible, but if you're doing both at a certain point, you're going to most likely have to do two things in one day, but you also... Don't have to do like, I think what gets a lot of people, and you can tell me if you had this thought too, because I've definitely had it before when I first started doing doubles was like, I have to do a lot of my running and then a lot of the climbing and like, you don't need to do your biggest days on the same day.
1: Yes. And that's super, super key. Yeah. So I guess we can go into how that balances out.
0: Yeah. How did your schedule morph over the years to where you are now?
1: Yeah. So I, I finished, yeah, I completed the, the level marathon. It, it, it went well, honestly, like it, it helped me catch the bug. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I signed up for the continental divide 50 K. I finished, I struggled. It was the worst thing I'd ever done in my life. Again, running two days a week. I remember crossing the finish line being like, I never want to run that far at one time ever again, <laughs> ever again. And Ben was like, my, my fiance, Ben was like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Let's not do that again. <laughs> and, you know, I, you know, two days later, my mind was, was changed. And um, mm-hmm. I actually got somewhat injured after that race. I remember I got some, some weird tendinitis in my leg in my ankle. Hmm. Um, and I remember speaking to a few of my friends that were more accomplished runners at that point about my schedule. And they reacted the same way you did. They were like, that's crazy. You can't pack in all those miles. Like you're going to hurt yourself. And I did hurt myself. So that's kind of when I realized that I needed to spread things out more and I needed to give my body the chance to get used to a higher volume of mileage so that it wouldn't get so overwhelmed and stressed on these longer runs and big races. Like I just needed to increase the work capacity so I could Mm -hmm. handle that. And that of course meant running on more than two days a week. And that's, yeah, that, so that was a really slow and steady process. I started with bringing in 20 to 30 minute runs on my climbing and route setting days, not on my outdoor days. I didn't start with that yet. I just started with the days that I was in the gym. And again, I still had this weird thought in my mind that I needed to be Doing speed work, so on those short days, I was like, "Oh, these are such short runs! Like I have to make them valuable." So I would do like fartleks and casual intervals during those runs, or I would tell myself I was doing a tempo day and just go out and sprint the entire time because that's what I thought tempo was. <laughs> Guys, it really yeah. helps you work with a coach. I would encourage <laughs> you to work <purchase> with a coach. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing, and I wore myself. Out Like I remember every single morning I would still wake up excited, but like I would just move so, so slowly. And I did kind of work myself back into an energy deficit for a few years, which was, you know, ultimately a problem. We all need to pay attention to that. Red S is a very real thing. And I think that a big part of that was that I was putting too much stress on those runs that were on the same days as my climbs for a while. Anyway, so I tried to do all of my like interval work on those short runs because I was thinking, okay, short run, got to maximize it, do as much speed work as possible, go as fast as possible, uh, make the most of your time. And then I would do like my long runs on the days that I wasn't climbing. And so I had this weird schedule. I was doing two long runs a week and then two fast and short runs a week, but then just not taking my climbing schedule into account at all. Again, that worked for a little bit. (laughs) And then... I think I got injured again by just putting too much on my body and I was exhausted. So at that point, because I was really enjoying what I was doing, I started working with a coach who was not you yet. This was pre-Kelly. I Mm -hmm. eventually made my way over to Kelly. But working with that coach really helped me dial in pretty much what my schedule looks like today, which is a lot better balanced between easy efforts in one sport and hard efforts in the other sport. Day by day.
0: Yeah. And I think something important to emphasize and something that a lot of people come up against and then they just stop trying when they're trying to bounce the two is like it takes a lot of experimentation to figure out what schedule works for you. And like you're a perfect example. You went through many iterations, you figured out what doesn't work, which is usually what you figure out first. So if anyone out there is trying to create a schedule, like don't get discouraged if the first thing you try doesn't work super well because that's one step closer to what does work for you.
1: Definitely. And I will also say that even once I settled on the schedule that I still pretty much stick to today, it took a solid season. And by season, I am referring to like the climbing season because that's what's in my head. So like three or four months over the summer, a solid season of like just feeling real tired and constantly kind of questioning what I was doing for my body to get used to it. So I think it's also really easy for people to, to try and do both, make the, you know, rather rational decision that it's too much for their body and back off. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just happen to be really stubborn, which gets me into some trouble sometimes. But in this case, it really helped me push through those first few months where my body was getting used to it. And now it's at the point where, you know, if I don't run before I climb I feel super sluggish and I really never meet my potential on that day so it, I think it's just uh your body can get used to a lot if you give it the chance that doesn't mean that everybody has to get used to it that doesn't mean that's right but if it's something that you want and you're really passionate about it's possible you just have to be really patient with the process and give your body time to adjust
0: yeah and just adding on to that a little bit When you are letting your body adjust, you want to, similar to like whether you're doing running or climbing training individually, you want to, you know, like overreach for a bit, but then let your body adapt to that. So you have, we'll talk about this in a bit too, like down weeks where you cut back on volume or for both, let yourself recover so that your body can actually adapt and then you can do even more later and just keep progressing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. When you first got to the schedule you have now, which we'll go into the specifics if anyone's interested. Did you do that during like over the winter months when you were kind of in like climbing, running maintenance or one time of year, I guess?
1: Like when did I start finding? Yeah, the,
0: the months that you're talking about where you you were really tired. I'm curious whether you were like in a climbing projecting season or, you know.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good point. I think that I started implementing it around – let's see, I started working with that coach in February of that year. So Mm -hmm. that's not outdoor season for me here yet. But again, it was like a slow, a slow introduction to it. So we were starting to, to work with the schedule then. And then by the time we got to like March, April, which is when the outdoor season starts, outdoor climbing season starts here for me we were still kind of continuing to rip it up. So I, the, the season that I remember that exhaustion really setting in was like during the outdoor climbing season where I was having to get used to both performing and projecting at a pretty high level in climbing and trying to give my body the time to get used to the, the running schedule.
0: That makes sense. And I think just getting used to outdoor climbing in general is (laughs) exhausting.
1: Oh yeah, and I I feel like I still kind of have to go through a a mini version of that like adjustment process every time that the outdoor season does start. Like, I mean, even working with you this year is like the first few weeks of when I would start to climb outside instead of in the gym on the weekends. It's interesting because I I honestly think that if you're working hard in the in the gym, it's a similar intensity on your body climbing wise Mm -hmm. as like an outdoor day, but there's just, I mean you just spread it out through the entire day and you're out in the elements and like you don't have as much recovery time um, Mm -hmm. because you're spending your day climbing that it is, it's always still an adjustment.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And one thing I always struggled with, which I don't know if you do too, but I think a lot of other climbers do is like when you go to the gym, it's like, you know, a few hours max. Usually maybe you need a snack during you eat before you eat after, but a whole outdoor climbing day, then it's like, for me, the planning of the food was exhausting. And then sometimes I wouldn't bring enough of the food mm-hmm. or I just like wouldn't stop climbing enough to eat the food when I needed the food. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a, it's just a lot more involved.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The planning, honestly, like the pre-planning and then the cleanup Ugh. from it and then like, you know, doing much more laundry. Yeah, it, it just takes up a lot more time. So there's always an adjustment.
0: Yeah. So I guess let's dive into what your schedule is now for anyone who's curious how you are balancing climbing and running. Because we are in... Actually, first, let's talk about your running goals for the year because that informs (laughs) what we're going to talk about with what you're balancing right now. So
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I just ran a 50K last weekend at the time of this recording. I have a 100K on the docket for June 17th, so mid-June. And then I also have the Leadville 100 in August, which is my first time at that distance. It's actually my first time at the 100k distance as well, but I have done multiple 50ks and a 50 miler and many at the Marathon Plus distance in the past.
0: Yeah, it's a big year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a big year and my body is handling it really well, which is like, I think what I'm most stoked on.
0: Yeah. Cause we just had your biggest volume week ever, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was a big one. And, you know, again, I, I don't normally do numbers because everyone is different, but that was a 70 mile week and we're going to be ripping it up like a little bit more from that. And mm-hmm. I just, I just say that to give context to like, there's a high volume of running here. There's a high volume of climbing as well. And I just, I I want other people to believe that it's possible if you really want it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And this is why at the beginning I said that you are on, did I say this on the recording or before? I don't even remember, but you are on the upper end of the balancing climbing and running spectrum. So, like, if you can do it with work, with as much volume of both that you do, like, it's definitely possible for someone doing a more moderate level of running and climbing, so.
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah. Like I fully acknowledge that what I'm doing is pretty crazy and I do hope <laughs> to take it like more professionally in the future. And, you know, I, I work with a brand at this point that helps to support me and that's amazing. You know, I I have goals of taking it professionally or semi-professionally. I guess I'm already semi. I, I have goals of making it even more part of my career. So that is why, you know, I, I do tend to take them both very seriously on top of my passion for it. So I think that, you know, if you're a recreational one or both, that it's definitely very doable, if if demanding. It is still going to be demanding.
0: Yeah, I think trying to do, I mean, even just trying to do running is demanding, oh, depending yeah. on who you are. Oh,
1: yeah. Any <laughs> athletics is demanding.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay, so now that we've covered what you are go- going towards for running, let's talk about your current schedule, because it is a good one. I like yeah. it a lot.
1: It's a good one and it like once I settled on it I just I do not switch it up as much as I can because that is a caveat with it like it once you have your schedule I definitely don't have as much flexibility in my life I can't switch things around very easily like my fiance asked me to go climbing with him on Memorial Day and I remember running it by you and I was like I don't think this is going to work you know because you have to you have to be pretty clear cut about what days belong to what but yeah so right now the schedule that I stick to I'll start with Monday or we'll start so with Sunday. Cause I do my long runs on Sundays and right now those are anywhere between, you know, three and four plus hours. So they're long. They're they're good, yeah. <laughs> and then that's that's all I do that day. I might do some strength work. I might not because then I have a mid-long run the next day. So I try to just keep my legs as fresh as possible, <laughs> as possible because a four-hour run is gonna destroy your legs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm doing these on trails too, so I'm trying to get as much elevation gain as possible. Mid-long run the next day, which tends to be between two and three, might go a little bit higher than that hours. And then I'll do a short climbing session on that day, which in my plan is optional. So if I'm feeling very exceptionally tired, then I'll skip that day. But so far I've been able to keep up with it. So kind of depending on what I'm doing the other days, I'll either do like a short and sweet power endurance climbing session for that, which for you climbers out there, that involves like four by fours and EMOMs. So every minute on the minute, just trying to get in volume, (coughs) excuse me, volume at a lower difficulty. Or if I'm feeling like my high-end bouldering strength is kind of suffering from all the rifle projecting, then I'll do like a a short projecting session, kind of limit bouldering. One of the two. And then the next day, I just have an easy run in the morning. um, And then I'm lucky enough to have arranged in my work schedule that I have the ability to go climb outside on that day. But if for some reason I can't go climb outside on that day, then I'll do an afternoon gym session. So that's a day where it's easy climb paired with, or sorry, easy run paired with harder climb. The day before is longer run paired with shorter climb. And then I get to Wednesday, which is the glorious rest day. And by that point, I am wiped and ready for it. I'm really learning to embrace the rest days. I used to be really restless on them. And now I'm like, thank the Lord, because I'm going to collapse. Yeah. So rest days, very essential if you're going to be doing two sports. Honestly, they're essential. If you're doing any sports, you got to give your body a chance to, to cool down. And then Thursday I'll do a speed workout. And since that is more demanding and intense on your body, I do not climb on that day. I'll probably do a little bit of strength work and, but no climbing on that day. So the long run day and the speed run day are just dedicated to running. No extra because that's enough stress on your body. And then Friday, Saturday is my weekend with my work schedule. So I'll do easy run and outdoor climb on both of those days. Yeah. So if there's ever like a hard run, it's either on its own or paired with like a very short climbing session just to keep the muscles and tendons activated. And if there's a hard climb, it's paired with an easy run.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And oh my God, I feel like there's so much everyone can learn from just your schedule so the first thing I want to point out is that you have kind of an atypical schedule because I feel like the schedule we hear a lot is like Monday, rest day, Tuesday, easy, Wednesday, speed, et cetera, et cetera, long run, Saturday, Sunday. So first I want to point that out because I know some people get discouraged. Like, oh, well, my week doesn't look like that. And it's like you yeah. can switch things around. Yeah, You, you I mean, make, make it work for you. Your
1: own. Yeah, you don't have to stick to the, like the workout Wednesday and the rest day Monday. Like. Yeah. Sometimes it means that you're running alone. Like I don't get to run with people as much as probably other people do, or I make my
0: friends
1: (laughs) fit to my schedule, but it's definitely possible. You can, you can make your own schedule.
0: Yeah. And that way it'll be more sustainable for you as a whole. Yeah. And then I also like your emphasis on the rest day. As you know, I love rest days too. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I'm really learning to love them. And I, that's one question I get a lot is like, okay, if you're doing two sports at once, then you're just, your rest days from one sport are your on days for the other sport. And to an extent, yes, but you're also putting so much overall stress on your body from like, from pairing those two sports at once that you're in even more danger if you mm-hmm. don't take a rest day. So Doing two sports is not an excuse to skip your rest days. It makes it even more vital.
0: Yeah. And I think I hear that a lot too. And I think especially if you're trying to perform in one or both, then the rest day is even more essential because if you just do the other sport on the day you're resting from one sport, you're not really giving your body the chance to bounce back from all the work you did in the other sport and vice versa.
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And then that kind of leads into another point of like, just because you're pairing an easy day in one sport with a hard day in the other, like you're not doing two hard, different sport workouts on the same day. That's still like that doesn't mean that that's an easy like my easy run day is paired with a hard climb. So that doesn't mean that it's an easy day. That's not like a recovery day.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: if I look at it, like pretty much all of my days are really high octane, high demand which is like not ideal for the body, (laughs) let's be honest. So, you know, if you are going to make that decision for your body, it's really important to be aware that you're going to be under a higher level of, of physical and mental stress from that. So again, the rest day becomes really important. And then implementing other restful strategies throughout your day and week is really important. Otherwise, you'll just be in that super high cortisol level all the time.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And I think this is a good time to segue into your work with your dietitian because it is hard enough to fuel for one sport for a lot of people and even more difficult and even more important when you're doing two sports like you are at a high level. So how has working with a dietitian helped you? Because you're in a good place now. Uh, with how you feel with both running and climbing. And I think a lot of that has to do with the nutrition you've been doing with her. So yeah, tell us a little yeah, bit about that. Yeah, I think
1: that. that's huge. And I'll be clear, I might mention some numbers here, but again, it's just for for context and they're not they're not small numbers. So it's, I think that they're helpful. Anyways, I, so I work with Kylie Van Horn. She's an incredible sports dietitian. I love all sports dietitians. I think they're amazing people doing wonderful things for this community or for all sporting communities, I should say. And yeah, so I really struggled with, you know, history of eating disorders, which then led into kind of residual red S, which stands for relative energy def- deficiency in sport. Which is when you're exerting more than you're inputting, so then your hormones get all out of whack, women lose their period, men have similar, you know, similar hormonal imbalances that just don't show up physically in that way, so it can affect both men and women. And it means that you get injured a lot, you don't have energy to give to your sport or to your life, and you can cause long-term damage to your bone density. Not good. Not good, things you're also irritable and not nice ever. So, <laughs> you know, if, you, if you're tempted to go there out, don't do it. So I struggled with that for a long time. And if I'm being honest, I, I still am kind of pulling myself out of the final throes of that. But nutrition and stress management plays a huge role in that, especially if you're going to be pairing two different sports. So I am 5'1". I am a small person. I am naturally small. I'm not going to say my weight, but I'm small. That's just how I've always been. I now eat more than 3000 calories every single day. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Again, I'm 5'1". I am a woman. I am not like a wrestler. I'm not six feet tall. Um, And that I think includes my rest day. I try not to count a lot, but I do use it as a metric to kind of figure out my baseline. And on big run days where I'm fueling a lot during my runs, it's going to be well over 3000 calories a day if we take in those, you know, 250 calories an hour that I'm taking in during a long run. So big number, it scared me a lot at first, but guess what? I'm still hungry for every single bite of food that I have. And sometimes I'll eat more because I'm still hungry for it. And, you know, sometimes that involves using liquid nutrition. Sometimes that involves, I, I don't know, I have a really pretty regimented eating schedule as well so that I can get it all in. But luckily, I am hungry for all of it. So, you know, right. As soon as this podcast is done, I'm going to go eat a gigantic snack because I'm like, man, I haven't eaten in an hour. I'm starving. (laughs) So again, everyone's body is different. I know that mine has a pretty darn fast and high metabolism. I've always been a pretty hungry person. So, you know, you got to figure out your own number and that's where working with a dietitian is really helpful. But I think she even wants me to get a little bit higher than that. And that's just what it, takes to, to take care of your body. And since I increased it to about this amount, I definitely still feel tired in training. I think everyone feels tired in training. If you're doing two sports, you're going to feel even more tired,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: but it feels doable and it feels manageable. And that's kind of what we're going for. You don't, you're not going to feel like a superhero every single day because (laughs) these things are hard, but you're going to have enough to to get through it, and still you know still human
0: after that still human, that's such a good point, because I feel like that's often forgot that like even if you feel fine during training, if you don't feel fine after the fact, and like in work in your relationships, whatever it may be, then either you're you're probably doing too much or you're underfueling, or usually yeah. the two culprits, it's usually the underfueling like you're yeah. mentioning.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, even for a while, I was getting by on less than that. I would get all my training in. It would Mm -hmm. happen. I was actually doing pretty well in my races. You know, even when I was kind of struggling nutritionally, I still, you know, got sixth female in the Leadville 50. You know, I was doing well, but I couldn't do anything else. Like my relationship suffered. I didn't really have any friends. My house was a mess. Like I didn't know what I was doing professionally in my career. Like, I would come home and I would collapse on the couch and that would be my existence. And I think the biggest difference I've noticed, not just in like my energy for training and the quality of my training, is also like being able to be a functional human outside of it.
0: Yeah. And that's so important for the vast majority of us. Yeah. I also just want to say I appreciate you sharing the numbers because even if those numbers don't apply to everyone, I think it's really helpful to hear high numbers like that. Cause I feel like we're just like inundated with, you know, 1800 calories. And it's just like, that is so low for an athlete, for I, most athletes. I can't I don't say even for know anyone,
1: if I could exist on a rest. I couldn't, I couldn't exist on a rest day with that. And I think Mm-mm. it's also important to say like, yes, I have a fast metabolism and yes, I'm doing two sports, but I'm also not that much of an outlier. Like Mm-mm. women, especially like you guys need more food than you think you do. And it's way more than you think you do. And I promise it's it's like worth taking that, that leap. But you also don't have to do it alone. I really advocate for working with a dietitian.
0: Yeah. I think that can help a lot, especially just like navigating the process and just like confirmation that you're on the right path versus like – because the, the initial period when you start eating more is an adjustment, whether mm. – I mean physically, mentally, emotionally – so it is really helpful to have someone else there with you. Yeah. Especially, Especially when you, you start doubting it. it. Yeah.
1: Help you step up slowly. And
0: yeah. Yeah. Help you through the bad thoughts you may have if you have an eating disorder background like you and I do.
1: And even if you don't, like we're so yeah. inundated with this belief that we need to eat less and be smaller. Like mm-hmm. even if you don't have eating disorder, you're probably going to have thoughts about it when you, when you hear the number 3000, you know, it just, it's unfortunate.
0: It is. Yeah, I feel like hearing that number is probably associated with elite athletes, which elite athletes are probably eating that and more, but also. They also don't talk about it enough,
1: you know? Yeah. I feel like people should talk about this stuff.
0: (laughs) I agree. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I feel like sometimes we try to be – we try to swing too far in the other direction of like – not being triggering in any way that that's also not always super helpful, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. If you want to
1: perform well, you got to eat well, like switching over to that level of diet. Again, I'm just going to throw some more numbers out here to show you guys the difference here. So this started like end of last summer. I managed to climb my first 13 seat last summer. By eating more food, I managed to reintroduce running after suffering from red s for probably over ten years. And this year, I, you know, on a three thousand calorie a day diet, I sent thirteen B, and then five days later, got first in a fifty k. So, like you guys can, (laughs) I, I only say these things because it just, it's amazing to me how much it helps, and I, I just want other people to feel that empowered too
0: yeah and to add on a little more numbers your 70 mile week was almost 11 hours of running plus I don't know you do like probably that much in climbing too like being at the gym at the crag plus yeah, your yeah. mini strength sessions yeah it's a lot
1: it is a lot and, and you feel good. good I do feel good again I feel tired I'm ready to go to bed at the end of the day <laughs> I uh, love just sitting on my couch at after dinner and Staring blankly at the TV. But yeah, and again, it's not the right choice for everybody. But if you want to do it, you can. You just have to be really meticulous with the fueling, take care of yourself, eat food that you love. Ice cream is the best.
0: Mm -hmm. And then,
1: you know, work with professionals that can help you balance your schedule and your diet.
0: Yeah. Can we talk a bit about specifics on days where you do both sports and work? Kind of how yeah. you lay out your schedule. Because I feel like I haven't really heard many people talk about that level of specificity, which I think yeah, is helpful. definitely. So
1: I'll preface this. I am lucky enough to have a remote job. So I work from home. The hours are, I've somewhat set hours, but I do have some flexibility in there as with most people that work from home. But I still try to make myself like pretty available during the day from about, you know, 10 a.m. Mountain time on. So I have like a slightly... Later shift that I work. So I'll do like 10 a.m. ish to 6 p.m. ish. But again, it's a little flexible. If you have a more rigid job, it's going to be different. So I prefer to run before I climb. That's just what I prefer. You might prefer to do it in the opposite direction, but I find that running kind of warms me up for it. So I will usually run like first thing in the morning. This is on a day that I'm doing both. So I'll wake up and Have something to eat first. Mm -hmm. Please do not do fasted running, especially if you're female, it's not good for you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'll go on a on my run in the morning starting around, you know, 6 a.m. And then I will kind of strategize so that I have as little transition time as possible, because that's where the time gets eaten up. I like to joke around that I play like scheduling Tetris and I really do. So if I'm doing this is the day that I'm working, so I I would be Mm -hmm. doing a gym session. So Let's say that I did my run first thing in the morning for however long it was. I would either start that run from the climbing gym. like I would drive to the Mm -hmm. climbing gym first with all of my climbing gear and start from there so that I would also finish there. And then as soon as I was done, I would just literally grab my climbing stuff from the car and go straight into the gym. So that's one way that I've done it where I can get like a couple hour training session in there and a run and work a full day. Another option that I've done, which again is, you know, something that I worked out with my workplace, is I would be able to work like a lot and heavily half the day. So I would do an early morning run, work for like five hours, and then go and do my my training session in the late afternoon, evening. Now that we're in outdoor season, I have managed to work with my my workplace to like shift to four day weeks. So that allows me to get that that day where I'm able to climb outside during the week as well. Again, I am very lucky to have that. Not everyone has that. But if your if your work if your place of work allows you to condense some of your hours into fewer days, that can be really helpful too.
0: Yeah, those are great schedule options. And I think one that I Well, I don't know if I liked it, but another option is like kind of the reverse of your second option is doing the climb in the morning working and then doing the run after work. Yeah. And one thing I just want to note for everyone out there is we've kind of touched on this, but like, I think a common misconception is that say you climb first and then you run. A lot of people get in their head about like, kind of like what you said, your first day that you did both. It's like, this feels so hard. This feels so slow. Like you're not supposed to feel fresh if you're on the second thing of the day. And that's totally okay and like expected. So like I think it's just managing your expectations for that second activity until you get to the point where like you, the climb is like your warm-up so you feel good. Or the run is your warm-up so you feel good for the climb.
1: Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I mean you have to prioritize. If you're doing two in a day, they can't both be performance efforts. So, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, on the days that I'm climbing and running, climbing is the priority. I'm just getting in some easy miles as well and it's like kind of also a warm up for my body. So, you know, I'm I'm not going fast, I'm not going super hard on those on those runs. It's really easy paced so that I can have energy left for the climb. And then on those days where I do the mid mid long run and then an easy climb or not even like short climb, I know that I'm not going to like I know that I'm going to be tired for that climb and it's usually not like the highest quality climb, but again, it's more about getting in the volume and getting in like the, the good stress on my, on my fingers and muscles.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Super, super good tips for everyone out there. Oh, and and meal
1: prep, that helps a lot too.
0: Oh, <laughs> that makes sense.
1: So just like making sure that you have your training snacks, just like already in your bags and then doing it the night before, or, like setting aside an hour or two, one day a week to just make some meals and snacks and just like stash them places. (laughs) Another thing I I always like, I have like bars in my car. I have them in every bag that I could possibly like want to use and pick up. I have them in my pockets. Like I just have snacks stashed everywhere so that I never really have to worry about that planning aspect of things.
0: Yeah. Bars are your friend.
1: Bars are great.
0: (laughs) are. Can you talk about some of those running fuel options that are not four dollars a gel that you alluded to earlier yes
1: so I used to use spring which I think are the ones that you're saying are four dollars a gel they're great I love spring (laughs) I understand why they have to cost so much not not ragging on spring you guys are awesome I can't afford that so that's not happening I have found sis gels they're science and sport I think those are like one they're like a little bit over a dollar per job, So they're really not that much. And I really like them. They have an electrolyte version, which is nice because then you can spend less money on extra electrolytes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was my key there. I really dig Costco peanut butter pretzels for Ah. running fuel. Yum. Those are great. And then I also use these ones called quantum energy squares, which have caffeine in them as well. And a little bit of protein and I'll break them in half and have like half at a time when I'm running. And those are nice, again, because they kill two birds with one stone. So then you don't have to spend extra money on like a caffeine or a pre-workout supplement either. You can even skip the cup of coffee in the morning, which also Mm -hmm. saves you money. Wherever you can like pack (laughs) things in.
0: Not the coffee.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know. I I usually have my cup of coffee afterward if I'm going to do that. So it's just maxing out on the caffeine. But yeah, I mean a big... And then I'll use another another bar that's been really helpful for climbing is these sans bars they're like a beefed up rx Ooh. bar so they have they have all the same things they have like dates and protein and nuts and i think there's some spinach powder in there too so you get your greens but they're like way heftier so it's more substantial so really i think the key here is like finding ways that you can get multiple things that you need from one nutrition source mm-hmm. and also, Costco.
0: <laughs> Costco is okay, amazing. Great.
1: Get the, the peanut butter pretzels, come in these like, you can't use it. It's like half of my torso. It's huge. Yeah, it's a
0: giant it's container. Really
1: expensive.
0: So, yeah, how much are they at Costco? That's eight bucks for that whole thing. Whoa. Costco is the best. Yeah. I really like the Nature's Bakery fig bars. Ooh. Yeah, I haven't tried that. Also at Costco. Before. Yeah. A little the more feed. expensive than the the pretzels. Yes, the, also, feed. the
1: feed is great because you can the get feed the is amazing. Yeah,
0: if you haven't joined my club, you can get eighty dollars a year.
1: <laughs> yes, which actually, I mean, that really helps.
0: <laughs> it does. I like. I remember because I signed up from Endeavor Run, and they have they have a club in the feed too, and you get the twenty dollars a quarter. And at first, I was like, "Is this a scam? Like, this yeah. can't be true." Yeah,
1: like eighty free dollars.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And like, they got uh, me. It works. They got me. You can try other – I've already talked about this on the podcast, but like you can try other fuel sources and single-serve so you don't have to commit to the whole 12-pack. It's just amazing. Yeah. yeah, it's We cool. love it. Was there any time when you were trying to balance the two that you wanted to give up?
1: Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, I just – Again, I think a lot of those happened when I was doing it quote unquote wrong, where I was trying to do like really intense, short and fast, make the most of my time speed work on the same days that I was not only climbing, but also like route setting for several mm-hmm. hours before the actual climbing. So I, I just say that because I think that the main reason for that intense fatigue and lack of motivation was I was just trying to do way too much. You know, I was trying, I, I let all of these shoulds get into my mind of like, oh, well, if a run is short, it should be harder. If a climb is short, it should be harder. And not really embracing like the, the easy maintenance mindset of things. But even if you are pairing things well, like, yeah, it's not going to feel great. And I think that's where, you know, motivation and mindset comes in. Because if you don't truly love both sports whatever they may be for what they are and what they do for you not just physically like Mm -hmm. I the only way that I can really function is by well I don't know if that's the right way to say it the the joy and the like personal growth that both of these sports bring to my life is just incomparable and I can't find it anywhere else just the way that my body and brain work Mm -hmm. the chance that it gives me to explore the chance it gives me to find out more about myself and connect with others and challenge myself. Like it's just a recipe for like my perfect life. That doesn't mean that it's easy. And I think in those moments where I was really struggling and even recently when I've had moments of questioning what the what the hell I'm doing, I look at it and I try to envision my life without one of them. Mm. And then I'll switch and try to envision it without the other one. And every time I do that, I come back to the same conclusion of like, This is, you know, if I'm trying to craft a life that at the end of it, I'm going to be really proud and satisfied with, for me personally, it wouldn't feel complete without pursuing them both in the way that I am doing. And that's kind of what has gotten me through and led me through that process of figuring out the best way to pair them together. Because I was just so adamant that I did not want to lose either one. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed being able to push myself to my limit in both, you know, again, personal choice. But I I think ultimately it comes down to like, why are you doing this? Is this Mm -hmm. like a strong enough reason for you? If it's not, then don't like, you can have a very, (laughs) you can have a flourishing life doing one sport and then another recreationally or just one or no sports at all. Like, I don't know. But if the motivation is strong enough, then you have to, you no know, rely on that
0: and use your why to to get you through. Yeah, I love that. And it also reaffirms why I stopped climbing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like it's not it's not something everybody has to do if it doesn't mean enough to you or even just not not in this season of life, then yeah. that's great. There's no moral value to sports.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But if both sports add value to your life, then don't give up on trying to find a schedule. That works, that fits both of them in for you.
1: Yes. And you know, working with a coach can really help. Working with Mm a dietitian can really help. Even just talking to someone and bouncing ideas off of them. Like we have all these great ideas in our own mind, but sometimes it just helps to have somebody else talk to you and say, like, hey, is this insane? And Mm -hmm. they might say, Yeah, that's insane, but it's possible, you know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And if you're someone who is in a partnership it can help to talk to your partner because I know for some people even just one sport it can be hard to like feel like you can take the time for yourself so talking to them be like is it not like is it okay if I do this but like do you support me in these endeavors like to help you feel more okay with taking that time for yourself and you know doing what you have to do to make the life you want
1: that is a really good point that I didn't mention like my fiance Ben, he. I'm very grateful to him. Like he has put up with a lot over the years as I was figuring it out, and now I'm at the point where it doesn't interfere with his life too much. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I'll get my I, my morning runs done before he wakes up and before we leave for our climbing days. He's my main climbing partner, so again, it doesn't get in his way too much. Sometimes it'll be a little bit of an inconvenience of like he'll be bummed that I can't go climbing on a day because I have a long run that I can't move or like I don't know I can't. Or I have to I have to get a run in that day when he would prefer to be doing something else again with the schedule like I have to be pretty pretty strict with it again if you're going on vacation and you're having a flexible life like please embrace that you don't need to stick to it all the time but it definitely does cause some some trip ups and yes it takes a lot of time sometimes it feels a little bit selfish and you have to have a partner that will like communicate with you and work with you and I think I also really had to learn to be more understanding and appreciative of his patience with me when I was working to figure these things out. So communication is really important.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Thank you, Ben, if you're listening.
0: (laughs) (laughs) One thing I know a lot of people are going to hate to hear this, but if you are trying to fit into sports, if you are not someone who wakes up early, you might want to start doing that. That's it makes it so much easier. Even if you're just doing one sport, if you can get it done before your day starts, before anything can interrupt and anything can pop up that would prevent you from training, do it.
1: That really is the only way. I had to make myself into a morning person and you know now I'm up at 5.30, 5.45, mm-hmm.
0: 6,
1: <laughs> depending on how late I set my alarm, pretty much every morning except for rest days because otherwise it just won't happen. And yeah, that means going to bed at 9.30 and it makes me a grandma and I don't care.
0: I'm in bed. I start going to bed at 9. I mean, we're like the same. Yeah.
1: So yeah. I love it. It's the best. Yeah. I'll put on an episode of Ted Lasso and then just like half fall asleep on the couch with my gigantic bowl of ice cream and then just go to bed.
0: Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I just wanted to mention that because I know, I mean, before, no, I've always been a morning person, but there have been times where I've been like, Seeking out advice of how to fit things in without making myself get up earlier. And it's just like, that's the easiest thing to change, I think. It's not easy to change, but out of all the things that you could possibly change to fit something in, waking up earlier is the easiest one to change.
1: It's the best place to put it because there's little that, as you said, there's little that can interrupt your day at, at that point.
0: Yeah. So... And you get Sorry. to start the
1: day by doing something for you.
0: Yes. I like that reframe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you are well, the priority. You are the priority. If you have kids, they might be more of a priority, but that you are true. still a priority. Yes. High I, Yeah.
1: I also don't have kids. I have a cat. I may get a dog someday, but I do not have <laughs> things that are dependent on me that much. So if you have kids, I have compassion for you. It's going to be a lot harder, mm-hmm. but it might still be possible.
0: Yeah, I think if your why is strong enough for one sport, both sports, you can definitely find something that works, whether it's, and it doesn't even have to be like, you're pretty full on doing both year round. It could be, and we're not going to dive in deep on this because it's already been an hour, but in those situations, it could be something like planning, looking at your year instead of like a week and like, okay. Okay. My climbing season is going to be these months. So running is going to really take a backseat. And then I'm going to focus more on running these months. So doing more seasonality versus year round. Yeah, that could be a good tip for really busy people.
1: Definitely. And then really quickly, there there are sacrifices that you need to make. I don't have a huge social life. I, I have very little social life. I have a few close friends. That's great for me. I'm an introvert. I don't want to be friends with everybody, (laughs) but, you know, I'm not going out every night. I'm in bed by 9 or 9.30 and my days are pretty packed, especially in the outdoor climbing season. People invite Mm -hmm. us to things on the weekends and I just, you know, say no, because I'm going to be out climbing all day and running before that. And even if I am home in the evening, I'm not going to want to do anything except the aforementioned Ted Lasso and ice cream in the evening. (laughs) Other things like you know, this would not work with an in-office job. Most likely, this would not work if I had family obligations, or you know, I I don't, I don't know. But yeah, so it it has to be your priority to make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can still have friends. You can still have a partner. You can still have a family. You just you know might not have a lot of a lot of spare time, and that's you know sometimes that bums me out. But other times I just remember how happy these things make me and remember that uh, I don't need to compare my life to somebody else's and my joy is different from their joy.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's really important for people to hear, especially from a woman saying like, these are the things I care about. So I'm going to prioritize them and not say yes to invitations just because I feel like I should, which is a big thing for us. you
1: know a lot and it's hard. It is you know, they'll do neighborhood cookouts outside and I'll literally just have to walk right by them and be like, hi guys, sorry. I don't really want to come hang out right now because I'm exhausted. Yeah,
0: <laughs> And that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. You're yeah. Well, I think this will be a very helpful episode for anyone who is trying to balance climbing and running or any two sports. Is there anything we didn't cover that you want to mention? I
1: don't think so. I think that little bit about, you know, you're not going to have all of all of the things in life but that's you never will i mean yeah there are always sacrifices so it's just about choosing your choosing your most important things
0: yeah Yeah. well thank you for coming on here and sharing your journey and your experiences thanks kelly remind everyone what your instagram is because i think you were still lucy inside out last time you were on
1: oh yeah so i did just change it back to my name so it's lucy haynes l-u-c-i-e-h-a-n E you'll find running content you'll find climbing content you'll find articles that i write as journalists you'll find weird videos of my cat <laughs> who is super weird so that's all i mean that's worth it in and of itself yeah
0: um, let's be friends let's hang yeah i'll link that in the show notes thanks yeah. kelly thanks again lucy <laughs> that's a wrap on this week's episode thank you so much for listening to this if you like this podcast please rate subscribe review everything you do for podcasts wherever you listen to them it helps me out immensely and helps other people find this show and just spread my message And if you haven't already, connect with me on Instagram or TikTok at Coaching Klutz. You can also find me at my website, CoachingKlutz.com, if you're looking for my coaching services or any of my running programs. And I will talk to you all next time.